Hey guys, thanks for taking the drive down State Street. In today's episode, we welcome grad student at the University of Oregon, Danny Alonzo. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to State Street, where we give voice to the everyday person. This is the co-host, the voice, Nick Kleitch, and with me, not as always, but in spirit, Jeremy Machino, and then Cole Szynski. Nick, it's uh, it's great to be here. Yeah, I normally let Jeremy go first and and kind of get his his uh, his thoughts and and everything um, in before I get mine in. Uh, so it's kind of weird to, for for me to go first and and just us, you and I, hit this right head on. Um, I'm going to turn it right back to you, man. What'd you think of our guest? Like he was awesome. Yeah. So, um, as much as, so just so you guys know, as much as we wanted Jeremy on here, he had a personal conflict. We're actually doing this on a Wednesday, which is very, very, uh, different than what we normally do. But anyway, to the guest, this was, uh, this was a really, um, fun conversation. And I say that in a way that is someone that is slowly uncovering the pieces of their path. They, uh, they had gone to do a, a really cool college experience, I guess, in comparison to, uh, to me and you, um, and attend a very large university and then get started in a sales sales career. Um, but then cross paths with you. And as much as I had cross paths with you in my life, uh, this individual did as well. And we kind of joke about that in the early parts of the episode, but we get into some really, really good stuff. Uh, both some super highs of highs of where he's going, the vision, the purpose, and what he's doing uh, currently, but also some of the adversities that he's faced growing up, which uh, at the end of the day, when he hears this back, it's so cool to know that that is such a character building brick um, that he shared with us. And it really helped us kind of come full circle to get to know uh, Danny. So that was my two cents on the conversation, Cole. Go ahead and uh, and introduce him. Yeah, man. Danny Alonzo, uh, him and I worked together at the river cats right uh we worked on the same team we were actually cube mates i mentioned that in our interview we sat right next to each other so he was one of the people that i got to know right away moving out to the west coast away from the midwest away away from my family and he was one of the first people that that i really um sought out a a friendship with and a mentorship with and and someone to just learn from and and pick up what life is going to be like on the west coast uh, and Danny was awesome, man. Danny, Danny has been such a great friend to me. He, uh, he introduced me to the gym I now go to and, and I can't say enough good things about him. And I'm so happy for him because he is truly like on this path to doing what he truly, truly wants to do. And our, our state three residents are going to hear what that is very, very soon. But, um, it didn't come without trials. It didn't come without challenges. It didn't come without, you know, having to fight and claw his way to, figure out what do I want to do with my life? And I think that's like, that's a million dollar question, right? If, if all of us could answer that, it wouldn't even be a question. It would simply be just a way of life. We do what we want to do, or we know exactly what that is and how to get there. Um, but it's so cool to see someone, like you said, Nick, find that and slowly evolve or, or unpack exactly what that's all going to entail and, and begin that journey into something uh, which I hope and, and I, I really truly believe that, that he will be very, very successful in. So uh, it was a great interview, man. Get us into it. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, before we go in there, for all my fans on State Street of the Oregon Ducks, this is definitely uh, for you, and, and Danny is a huge advocate uh, of their university. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into the interview. Danny Alonzo, man, how you doing? It's great to have you on our podcast. I've been stoked to get you on. Um, we are so excited. How are you, my friend? I'm great. I'm excited to be here. Uh, never done a podcast before, so uh, if it comes off a little awkward or whatever, just to keep that in mind, like this is my first time, but uh, I'm excited to be here. Um, you know, don't know what really to expect, but uh, just excited to talk with you guys for an hour. Well, that seems to be a really common theme with people that come on this podcast. Um, and I guess kind of the first order of business in, in the whole podcasting process, Danny, is to introduce my co-host to you. Uh, we've got Nick Kleitch on the call with us this evening. Uh, Jeremy wasn't able to make it. He sends his apologies and his regards. But we do have Nick, my fellow podcast mate, the voice of this podcast. Nick, what do you got to say to my good friend Danny, man? Well, with it being the, the first time around, it's going to be such a fun experience just to ask some questions about you and get to know you a little bit. It's always a pleasure to meet new people on this thing. And I mean, that's that's the main reason why we get up and do this. But also, I'm not going to share what you're going to use this for, but you're also being a very strategic, young, entrepreneurial type man for why you're actually engaging in this podcast for a little bit. So I'm not going to reveal that. Uh, that is your own obligation if you so choose to share that with the listeners. But I'm ready, man. I'm, I'm ready to, to get going. And thanks for coming on here. For sure. Yeah, let's dive in. So, Danny, step number one, man, introduce yourself to the people. Let the State Street residents know who you, who who's talking to them this evening, and uh, and we'll be off and running from there, dude. All right. So, uh, I am Daniel Joseph Alonzo. I go by Danny. Um, I was born in the East Bay, but uh, I lived in Sacramento, California, the majority of my life. Um, I went to Jesuit High School in Sacramento, an all boys Catholic high school. Um, I went to my undergrad in uh, University of Oregon. I was an applied economics major. Um, I'm 25, which is really weird to think. I, I feel like I'm still like 19, but um, I'm 25 years old. Um, I am in grad school right now, um, it, also at the University of Oregon. It's a sports product management graduate school program. Um, and yeah, I don't know how in-depth I should go <laughs> for an well. intro, but... <laughs> No, man, that, that, that was fantastic. Um, so Danny, uh, yeah, you and I met, uh, at the river cats. Um, you were, you were my, my cube mate actually funny enough. And so you were like one of the first guys I got to meet. I got to know, uh, you're also the one I credit for the gym that I attend. Uh, you introduced me to that place and, and ever since getting out here, that place has, has felt like home. So I do have you to thank for that as well, man. Yeah, no, we, we were definitely cube buddies um and lunch buddies at the river cats but um yeah no i'm, I'm happy that i could have showed you the gym and everything um yeah so if we want to dive in there yeah so cole and i met uh working for the river cats um so i started in, in corporate sales with the river cats in what late august of 2019 and um cole joined up january of 2020 and um, yeah, we were on the same team. We were uh, right next to each other as far as, you know, cubicles. And we were both newbies. I mean, I was a little bit less of a newbie than, than you were, Cole. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, we, we kind of got to skin our teeth together a little bit there for a couple months before uh, before COVID hit. 
And yeah. um, it was fun. I mean, I think that we we became pretty good friends. And uh, yeah, it was a great experience. Yeah, man. I, I would say you were one of my one of my closest friends. There were a lot of great people that we were working with at the time. Obviously, COVID did play a, a huge factor into everything. And um, I know Nick did have one thing, but I, I do want to eventually encapsulate 2020 and what that was like for you. But I will let I'm going to turn it to Nick real quick and then I'll keep us moving. Yeah, just for the sake of uh, where we are, and I know it's very early on asking this, but I certainly had my own first impression of Cole Szynski when I met him as a, a college mate way back in the day. Uh, just for the the fun here, what was your kind of first impression of Cole, and um, what, what were some things that stood out to you about the young man? Uh, I wasn't sure of Cole at first. I remember when we were giving intros, so we got, we got the entire sales bullpen together, and we were doing intros. And Cole was talking about how he drove, drove, you know, drove up from Iowa, and he was all pumped to be here. And I was like, "Oh God, look at this guy! <laughs> like, we got to deal with this guy for the next couple months." But um, no, Cole, Cole was cool. Um, I, I remember he was always very high energy, always very positive, good attitude. Um, yeah, I think of all of all the the newbies that uh, that came in in that wave, Cole definitely stood out as uh, the hardest worker and kind of like I don't know. Cole, you could sense the passion off of him. Like he wanted to be there and he really wanted to work in baseball. And it was, it was cool. I know I didn't have that when I started. So I was definitely envious of that. That's uh, that's awesome that that was your first impression because I know the backstory as to why and what brought him out there. So that makes sense that he came in with a little bit more boom than maybe some of the other folks. But um, I'm going to turn it right back to Cole and, and let you elaborate on what kind of a crazy year we had, man. Yeah. So first off, that was quite the compliment, Danny, man. I really appreciate that. Uh, I could say the exact same about you. I feel like you were a busy body, man. I feel like anytime I would, I would pop over to talk to you, just like pop my head over. It was like, Danny's working on something. Like he's either just putting the phone down or I'm catching him right in the middle of like talking to a customer or I mean, canvassing for leads. Like you were a busy body and I absolutely love that about you. And I was like, all right, like I got to keep up with this guy. And it was kind of, it was great. It was like keeping the carrot right in front of kind of both of us. It sounded like, which is always good, man. Iron sharpens iron. But, um, with all the highs that the 2020 brought as far as new friends and a new job and new new places, as far as me coming out to California and, and you starting up with the river cats, um, there were obviously some lows and 2020 was, was an incredibly challenging year. I will say, um, for some, it was a year that was defining in a bad way for others. It was defining in a really, really great way. Um, and I think Danny, as we get into this, people are going to find that you are an awesome example of that. Um, and the why behind that I think is, is yet to come. So why don't you do this for us? Why don't you encapsulate what 2020 looked like? Maybe break it down briskly month by month, just kind of bullet points each month, how it worked out and how it played out for you. And, and then we'll kind of bring, and then you'll bring us up to speed onto where you're at right now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> 2020, uh, put simply, I think for me, at least it was a year of change. Um, and I'm probably not going to go through every single month, but I can at least take mm -hmm. you through kind of like the narrative of, of 2020. Yeah. So January, uh, probably what January to March. Um, you know, that's what, that's when you started up with the river cats. Um, we were starting to, at least I felt like I was starting to kind of hit my stride as a salesperson. I was getting, you know, I think that as a salesperson, especially a young salesperson, the thing that you want is that positive feedback and not necessarily like, like literal feedback, but you just want to be doing the right thing. You want to be, you know, making sales and having good conversations, just doing all the right things. And you want to, you know, start reaping the benefits of it. And I think that uh, after the new year, I really started to kind of like see that change. 
as far as how I was interacting with customers, with clients, I was making more sales. Um, so things were going well at work. And then, um, yeah, early March is when, when COVID happened. I'm pretty sure, by the way, I'm pretty sure I had COVID. I, I, I was, so in late January, I got really sick. And my dad got really sick as well. And he went gone to a trade show in Las Vegas. And um, he went to the doctor. He didn't know what he had. And yeah. I got sick. I got whatever he had. And I remember he went to the doctor. And the doctor said that he had some sort of a respiratory issue. But they didn't know what it was. And mm -hmm. whatever he had, I got. And I was out for like a week and a half. And I remember that. I joked. Like I, was jo I remember like coming into the office because I was like right when like COVID was becoming a thing in China. And we were all hearing mm -hmm. about it. And I was like joking around like, hey, I got COVID, guys, but I'm alive. And like it was a joke, but I very well could have had it. So right. that's just a little tidbit. Um, yeah. It was not fun. But um, so that was January. And like January to March, it was, you know, outside of that work was great. And it was, you know, it really kind of like starting to hit our stride. The season was about to start. There's a lot of excitement around the office. Mm -hmm. And then and then COVID happened and um, we got sent home and it was just it just changed the dynamic of everything. Um, you know, there were so much so many like little things that we were looking forward to during work for the month of March, you know, relative to spring training, relative to the, you know, that we had the Giants game mm -hmm. and all that stuff that didn't happen that got canceled. And we were working from home. There was a lot of fear or maybe just hesitation in the the eyes and ears of the people that we were we were talking to on the phone and no one really wanted to deal with us. And we were making cold calls and it sucked because no one wanted to talk to us. And we were getting a lot of voicemails for about a month. And then after a month, I think about like around late April, mid to late April is when I got laid off. Mm -hmm. And then I know shortly thereafter, a lot of other people in the sales bullpen got laid off as well. Right. And um, it was tough. I think that, yeah, around that, like kind of like the late April, mid to late April, it was, it was tough because it was just kind of like, where do you go from here? Because um, I had worked in, so I worked for the Rivercats in sales. And then I also worked for um, a, another company in a very, very entry level sales position. That's really, you know, kind of like the, the extent of my work experience. And um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And it was tough because, I mean, I like sales. I think that, so my dad was a big sales guy. So I think that there was a personal association with sales and that like, I wanted to kind of like be like my dad and be a sales guy. Yeah. And I'm sure that I probably could and still can do that if I wanted to. It just, I think that there was just something about sales that just didn't resonate on, on the level. I think that you have to be able to give hundred percent, whatever you do um, to be successful. And if you're only given 70% or 80%, you can be good, but you can never be great. And I think that I just, I knew that that little, that the passion that that needed to be there that extra 15 or 20 percent just wasn't there and i really tried to make you know to kind of like force the issue and i could just never get there with sales so i i knew that i i you know after i got laid off i wanted to do something different i just didn't know what i wanted to do but i knew i wanted to work in sports mm -hmm. and working in sports was always a big goal of mine uh during college and after graduating college um, so in college, I was, I was a part of, we had a sports business club. I remember my first term at university of Oregon, I took a, a sports and society class, sports business 199 with Josh Gordon. And it was my favorite class I ever took during undergrad. Um, we basically just like, I remember we just talked about the business side of sport and we would mm -hmm. talk about like certain case studies and we like certain things that were happening in sports and talk about the business implications, whatever. I always right. knew that like, that was awesome. It's like, I want to be a part of this. So I want to work in sports. Yeah. So, you know, where do you start working in sports for the most part? I mean, you'd work, I mean, 
the most accessible entry-level jobs are sales jobs. So I figured, okay, like I can get a sales job in sports when I graduate. And that was something that I set my eye on. So, you know, I, I got my sales experience. I, uh, I, made, a, <laughs> I made my sales pitch to, uh, to the Rivercats general manager who hired me, right? Because I, I yeah. had to sell him on me. Because uh, right. I, I, I know that, you know, with the Rivercats, like they, they like student athletes like yourself, Cole. Like mm-hmm. they like people who played baseball people, you know, who have more, maybe more relevant background. I didn't have any of that. You know, I played, I played rugby in college a little bit. I played rugby in high school a little bit. I, pl- I played soccer, um, but never, never like, you know, on, on a te- not like a, a school team. Right. It's all been like intramural or whatever club sports. So like, I didn't have that background. So I had to try and sell them on me and I was able to do that. But um, anyway, sorry, that's kind of a tangent. But basically, <laughs> I, I got, I, I got, the, I got the job. I, I got the, the start in sports, and that was a big deal because that was something that, like, I, I didn't think. It's one of those things, like, especially graduating college, you didn't yeah. think that you would be able to do that, especially in, in that time span. But I was able to do it, and I loved working in sports. I mean, I loved the just everything about the the culture, the people what you were doing, what you were working towards. I just think that sales wasn't really the, you know, the, the function that was right. Yeah. So, you know, after I got laid off, it's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? Um, and that was tough because, you know, it, it was, it was tough because I was looking at a lot of different things and there was just a lot, there was a lot that didn't resonate and a lot of it was sales. And it's like, that's, I don't want to do that again. So I was really looking at doing something else and trying to figure out what exactly I wanted to do. And I had no idea. And I didn't know for about a month um, of, you know, it was really, I think like a month of just looking at different jobs and graduate school programs. And it was just a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. And um, so I started looking at graduate school programs just at the University of Oregon, just because it was familiar. And um, they had a, a sports marketing graduate school program. I thought, okay, this is interesting. I've always loved marketing. Marketing has always been something that um, that has resonated with me on kind of like a personal level. I've read a lot. I read a lot of books about it in, in college, even though I didn't major in marketing. I don't know why, but it's maybe yeah. it's just a curiosity. But right. um, so I was looking at the sports marketing program that, that Oregon has, and I remember hearing about it so much during undergrad, whatever, whatever. And um, I forwarded just kind of like the the link to my dad. I was like, "Hey, dad, check this out." And so he sent me a, a, an email back. He said, hey, like there's this other program. It's called the, the SPM program, Sports Product Management at Oregon. You may want to check this out. And I remember just like looking through it and being like, this is awesome because this is, this is I mean, this is what you want. This is a, a very hard skill that you'd be learning. This is the sports industry where you want to work. Um, you know, this is something you'd be able to specialize in. And um, you know, I mean, this is this is kind of the answer I was looking for because I didn't want to do sales. I didn't want to go back to, and like I, I mean, with all due respect to everyone that we worked we worked with, um, you know, at the Rivercats and everything, like I didn't want their jobs. You know, I mean, like I didn't want to be the general manager manager of a baseball team or like a director of, of of baseball operations or like ticket sales or whatever. Like I wanted to do something else. I just knew I wanted to be in the industry. And this it's a little bit different because it's not maybe directly the sports industry. It's it's the athletic apparel industry. But it's very adjacent, um, and it gave you an opportunity, or at least the way I saw it, it gave me an opportunity to continue down a path, right? And um, I, I had no business applying. I had no business getting accepted, um, but I did. And I applied in late May. I didn't hear back until August. 
So I basically, the entire summer, I had to just wait and sit Mm -hmm. on my hands and hope that I got in. And if I didn't, you know, figure it out. But (laughs) I did. And I started in September. And since then, I've been I've been doing my grad school stuff, and it's been awesome, and it's been great. And um, I think, I guess the big so I and that's why I say that 2020 was really a year of transition because there was a lot of change for me. You know, it was it was not linear. It was it was chaotic. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to expect. Um, but I think I I just had to follow, you know, what I knew was true about what I wanted out of the world, and you know, really see that through and have faith and confidence in that and hope that it worked out. And it did. So it wasn't that bad of a year for me, I guess is my point. Yeah, no, I mean that the story that you just encapsulated is such a cool snippet and such a cool perspective into what 2020 could have been for some people. Right. And And it really was, you know, hindsight is always 2020, right? But, but 2020, it's funny that it is 2020 because hindsight's 2020. And it's like, looking back, some people may say, I could have done so much more. Or looking back, you could say, there's, there's, maybe I, maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't want to do as much as I did. Maybe I should have taken that time off to, to find my true passion, right? And that'll be something that, whether people did or didn't, they will see the consequences, both positive and negative, throughout the rest of their life, right? Like, like human lives will never be the same because of the year of 2020. So, um, dude, yeah, that, that story, I think, is so cool. You and I have talked about it before. So that's, that's exactly right there why I wanted to get you on the podcast. I think it's so important to share. It's a great message. I know Nick has something for you. Um, so I will turn it to him. And then, yeah, we'll, we're, we're rolling, man. Hey, State Street residents, this is Cole. We are so proud to continue our partnership with Chi Town Blankets, a nonprofit based in Chicago, Illinois. This movement, started by our good friend Dom Hilsheim, has grown to over thousands of blankets being delivered to those in need. If you want to get involved, go to chitownblankets.com or find them on social media to learn how to donate and get involved. That's C H I T O W N B L A N K E T S. You can also listen to episodes from Dom or one of his executive board members, Jack Thode, and learn more about how the movement got started and what it truly means to them. Everyone deserves to be warm. Well, just to, to throw a slight comment on, on that transition, I, uh, I'm a very firm believer personally that all things really do happen for a reason. They're meant to occur as they are. And I know that's probably as cliche as you could possibly get, but uh, just coming from my own spirituality, I just there there has to be a reason for these changes to take place. But I had a question for you, man, and this is something that, you know, feel free to have a short answer or you can elaborate as well. When you are hit with something outside of your controllable circumstances and you're getting laid off because of something that you have no idea what is even happening uh, in COVID, how do you manage your mental state and, and what do you start to do? I mean, is there a, a time of depression? Is there a time of anxiety or you know, are you going right into contemplation and, and meditation on like what the next step is? I'm just curious. I mean, I, as far as 2020 goes um, and as far as that, everything that happened there. I think that there probably was a couple of weeks of sort of, maybe not depression, but at least, um, I don't know. I guess it's because it wasn't quite depression because I feel like depression is something that is, you know, it, it is something that you are stuck in 
for a long time. It was more temporary. I think that there was a, maybe a little bit of sadness um, sure. after being laid off and everything. I'm like up almost. Yeah, and and I think that I think that just mixed with maybe a little bit of confusion and um, a good word to use. Yeah, I mean, I just you know, and, and uncertainty as far as the future. But I agree with what you said from a spiritual standpoint. I do agree that everything happens for a reason, and I think that the two important things, like when that happened, I knew that I had to keep moving because I know that like when you stop moving, and I know this personally from my like just from my past and my past experience that like when I stop moving good things don't tend to happen. Like I always have to keep moving. So um, I knew generally what I wanted to do. And so I just needed to move in that direction, whatever that meant. And that led me to, and just, and then also just, you know, having faith and sort of, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, having faith, trusting the process, all that stuff is very cliche. <laughs> it's, it's very true. And um, I think that your mindset really can determine the outcomes you get in life. And I know that during that time, I, you know, it was probably about a month where the first couple of weeks sucked and I was unhappy. And the following two weeks, um, you know, I was, I started moving and I, I started being a little bit more positive and really trying to problem solve instead of, you know, feel bad for myself. And after that month, <clears throat> I sent my application in and a few months later I was, I was in grad school. And, you know, the, the other thing with that application is, um, you had to send in like a, basically a, a concept for a product and you had to like draw it or do it creatively. And I am not creative in that way. Like I'm not artistic. I don't draw, I don't do any of that stuff. So like, that was like a, that was a major barrier. It's like, I felt like an idiot, you know, with colored pencils, like drawing this picture, this idea I had for, you know, product intervention within the fitness shoe category, right? That was just an idea I had. Um, and I was, you know, drawing this thing with colored pencils. It looked horrible. And I was submitting this, but like, I knew it's like, what is the alternative? Am I going to not do it? Like you have to do it. Right. So, you know, I think that those two things, just keep moving and having faith are like so important. Yeah. I, uh, I want to take that nugget and run with it a little bit more. I love that because, and and there's a quote that I'm going to butcher here, forgive me, but, um, it says uh, something along the lines of action is always a alleviation of pain, which essentially just means the the quicker you can respond and, and move and act and replace what you're feeling rather than illuminating in that, um, in that, like, again, we probably shouldn't use the word depression culture. We, I like confusion. That's probably a better, a better term to use in that confused state when something outside of your control happens. So, um, uh, for being a 25 year old, that's uh that's a pretty philosophical response there, Danny, I gotta say. I mean, it, it is what it is, right? I mean, that, that is what has been true in my experience. And, um, you know, I think that I also benefit from having a little bit of a background in, you know, seeing, so I was another background thing. Uh, so I was, I struggled with obesity my entire life. Um, up until 17 years old, I was obese. Uh, when I started losing weight, I was, uh, I was a little bit shorter. So I'm five, eight, but then I was five, five, um, two uh, I think 40% body fat. Um, so like very little to no muscle mass. So like, even when I played sports, like I was, I was a big kid, you know, growing up. And that was something that that I struggled with my entire life and I learned a lot from, um, and not only, you know, did I learn a lot from having to deal with and fight and it was really, was a fight because at the time, you know, being an 18 year old, 17 year old, having to like lose weight and basically change not only your body, but your entire identity of self. Cause you have this perception of self that you build up 
you know, throughout childhood and adolescence, and you're basically flipping that and changing it. Um, it's, I feel like you just, you learn a lot from it. And I think that I've learned a lot from that experience. Um, maybe as I've gotten older, like these, these are things that I learned when I was 18. These are things that you reflect on and realize. And, you know, I think that a, a big symptom of <clears throat> that, you know, of obesity and, and that life that I, that I used to live was complacency. It, it was a lack of moving. <clears throat> it was a lack of faith. I mean, back then, I didn't think that I could ever be skinny. I didn't ever think that I could be in shape. You know, you develop a sense of self, and then that is who you are, right? So and that's why I think faith and positive mindset, those things are so important because they can change everything. I mean, if you think of yourself differently, it's going to change how you operate and the things that you do every day. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, I uh... – <laughs> No, dude, that the opening up about that shows a lot about your maturity and, and self-awareness and, and it really builds who you are today. And um, that is so cool that you were able to open up to us about that, too, because I think that's who you are, man. I think, again, like Cole said, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and you're only able now to kind of contemplate what you were going through. But that's for sure going to catapult you in the future. Um, I'm I'm done rambling on this topic, and I I do apologize. Me and Danny could probably film another hour and a half after this, but Cole, keep us on track, please. So, Danny, a lot of people probably listening to this after after listening to that entire speech, all the all those great nuggets you just said, they're probably thinking, sitting here thinking or listening to this, thinking, "Man, this guy can talk. Like, why why didn't it work out as a salesman?" And I love the quote you gave about you. You can be giving 70% and be good, but never be great, right? And you're naturally, it, it's, it's, it's very clear at this point to, to myself and to people listening to this, that you're a great talker. You know, you, you paint a really, really nice picture. I'm, what was that extra 30% or maybe 20% for you that was like, yeah, you know what? Like, it just, it's just not what I want to do. What, was it the fact that, like you said, you weren't getting that reinforcement? Was it just simply, you know, meeting with people wasn't a passion and it wasn't a goal that you wanted to achieve? What was kind of that, that 30 to 20% for you? Um, <clears throat> that's a good question. Honestly, <clears throat> that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I really don't know. Um, I think that, that there were certain restrictions that were placed on us. As salespeople, mm -hmm. and this is this is not just at the Rivercats. This is also at my job previous, um, <clears throat> where you have to do things you know a certain way based on what the company wants you to do. Whatever. I always felt like I was kind of in a box, and I couldn't problem solve. <clears throat> right. Like I had to do things a certain way, and if, even if things weren't working for me, I had to still do things a certain way. And yeah. at least for that, I I never felt like I could be a hundred percent genuine. Because, you know, if I am confronted with a problem and I want to, you know, I want to address it in a certain way, but that's not how I'm supposed to do it and I can't do it, then I'm not really being myself. I almost felt like I was always in a little bit of a box and I could never really be myself. I was yeah. always being a salesperson. And I think that that my, my thinking that my believing that was probably communicated to clients, customers, et cetera, that you're not 100 percent bought in. Um, and I tried really hard, like I tried really hard to, to kind of like sell myself on it, but I just, you know, some things just don't work out and that's okay. And I think that that's also important is to just be able to know your limitations and to like know your strengths and your limitations and then pivot. Right. 
It's like, okay, yeah. well, where can we take that? Right. So. And and the reason I ask is, so obviously, you know, like I, I worked on the same team as you, so I'm in sales. Nick is actually in sales. He's actually in recruiting. And, and I wanted to get Nick's take on this. And I want to know if Nick feels this way ever. Nick, do you ever feel like it's, it's boxed in or you're maybe you're not necessarily forced, but, but led in a certain direction or handcuffed to do certain things. I mean, as, as someone, you know, you have a little more sales experience than I, what, what are your feelings on that? Just as a clarifying question, um, when you say boxed in, is this in terms of like the belief of what you're selling? Is it inability to think on your feet? What do you mean? I'm just trying to clarify for the conversation. Yeah. Well, I think specifically when talking to customers, um, there are certain things that we're told to say, there's certain things that, you know, we, we are trained to do, um, where, you know, there were, there are many scenarios in which I would think of doing things differently. And you would be in a position where, um, you felt like you couldn't really do that. Like you had to do things the way that you were taught or trained or, you know, what have you. And that's fine. But, um, you, you can't, at least the way I felt was like, I couldn't really let my personality, my ability to problem solve, like on the spot, really shine because I was having to do things one of X amount of ways, like I was taught. And um, I just, I felt like I was always in a box when talking to customers because a lot of times you would encounter, you know, very similar issues, very similar objections, and you'd have to answer them certain ways. And I always wanted to, you know, maybe approach things a little bit of a different way that may you know, be more successful. And I felt like when I would do, would do those things, even if I was, you know, even if I saw success or not, I felt like I was doing something wrong because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. And then if I didn't do those things and I did everything the way I was taught, you know, then, right, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But if you're not getting results, that's not good. So I, I always just kind of like felt like it was in a box where I couldn't just be myself. And obviously it's a job. You have certain expectations. You have to follow the rules. But when dealing with people, when talking with people, I like to just, much like this podcast, just wing it. And I just, I, I just like to have genuine conversations. And I think that when I have to follow any sort of script or I can't just talk off the top of my head, um, it, it gets, I feel like trapped. I don't know if that makes sense, but- oh. Come completely. And I, I, I totally follow where you're at now. And I appreciate you clearing that up. So the first thing I'm going to say to that is what I mistaken, I mistaken in the first part of my career, not that we're I'm 25 as well. So not that I'm, I'm too much older than Cole or, or even you, but there are truly different culture fits for different people. There are people that resonate in certain approaches other than, you know, than some other folks. So like for me personally, corporate was never an approach that was going to win. I will, I would, I knew right away after being in that box that I almost immediately needed to get out of it because I did not like how the, the game was played, we'll say. And then I met my current boss and he approached a similar business in a very different way and it totally clicked and, I, and I'm totally indulged now. So I think understanding that first and foremost is a big concept of like, okay, culturally, do I fit here? Like, what are your core beliefs and do you actually believe in that? And then you can see the leadership out talking to people, how they conduct themselves, what they believe in. So I would definitely look for those keys um, for those things. But then also, 
Uh, as a salesman, you can there's there's half of it that you need to replicate in your training. So there's always training principles that you can learn on different pitches or different approaches, but you always be yourself at the end of the day because like you said, nothing is more awkward and the client 110% feels this when you're trying to uh, cross between your personal integrity and how you'd handle the situation and what the the questions are on the sheet per se. So I would always stick to being yourself, but then with that, use training and use the way you're taught as the principles of maybe how they approach the business and then always have your own twist on things. And that's actually something that I'm working on right now personally is my boss has taught me enough to kind of give me the legs and the foundation, but now it's time for me to find myself doing what he has taught. So hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, dude, that that did. And I'm I'm so glad that you guys had that dialogue because I see everything that you're saying as as true on both accounts. Danny, you know, specifically working next to you, I totally get why you feel that way because there were times I felt that way. It's like, I want to make this thing my own, right? And like I wanna I wanna kickstart it and and be as genuine as possible and, and build relationships with people that hopefully will be fans. And it's like if I have to say these things Am I really being my most genuine self? And I like I struggled with that. And and Nick, to your point, I mean, the fact that you found something that did did resonate with you, I think that's exactly like where Danny is at right now. And he's on the cusp of finding that culture fit in like a professional setting, just like kind of we were talking about before we even jumped on live. So I think it's huge, and I think that's amazing. I want to turn the page though. I want to turn it back to Danny where you are currently, and kind of talk about what your master's program has looked like now that you're in something that it's like, holy crap. Yeah. Like, let's do this, man. Um, what, what has the master's program looked like and, and kind of just give us a, a look through your eyes, not necessarily day to day, but maybe on a few big projects or a few big assignments or whatever that may have. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I am a, uh, what is it technically called that master's candidate is, is the yeah. official. You, yeah. That's what you'll find on LinkedIn master's mm -hmm. candidate of uh, University of Oregon Sports Product Management. So um, it's a grad school program, it's 18 month program. Um, essentially it is, it is a one of a kind program and it, 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 it takes its students through the entire product creation process from, from ideation to you know, go to market. Um, and basically it takes us through what that entire process looks like from a curriculum standpoint. So you're learning all these different, you know, product development, and, and costing or my, my sourcing and costing were our two biggest classes last term. So you're taking, you're, you're learning this stuff in the classroom, but then you also have a product team of six people. So myself and then five other students in the cohort. And um, we, you know, throughout the 18 months, 18 months is a very deliberate number because that's <clears throat> a number that's typically used 12 to 18 months is a number that's typically used as far as uh, having a, a calendar to bring a, a product to market. <clears throat> um, we, we are creating a product. So, um, we did a lot of consumer research last term and, uh, we initially, so we had to come up with, you know, a space that we, we thought would be kind of an interesting space to sort of intervene within. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so kind of like a, a, you know, sport or whatever. Right. And, um, so we did fitness. I, I definitely, uh, kind of, you know, I was an advocate for that. Right. <laughs> and I, I wanted to do, <laughs> I wanted to do something in fitness and my, concept that I sort of, you know, that I got into the program with was um, essentially a, a better lifting shoe. And I'm not going to get into specifics because we don't have yeah. a million years to talk about this stuff. But 
we were thinking about doing something like that. And so we ended up going out and talking to people and um, we heard a lot of people wanting a better lifting glove. We heard that from, you know, and they said it in a lot, lots of different ways, but they wanted something for their hands, um, especially with COVID, not only from a hygiene standpoint, but particularly because they weren't always working out in the gym. They were working out in the garage. They were working out outdoors. They were working out in all these other environments that they normally wouldn't touch. And also, <clears throat> you're having gyms who are moving their equipment outside. Well, I know from personal experience, because it happened to me last summer, um, if you go to you know, do anything with a barbell that's been sitting out in the sun all day, it doesn't exactly feel good on your hands. So there was definitely a need that we heard from our consumers for some level of um, protection for their hands while they're you know, working out in these new different environments, non-traditional environments. So uh, what we're coming up with is essentially the new weightlifting glove. And yeah. it is something that you can use in the gym or outside of the gym, but it is catered towards athletes who work out in both environments. And, um, you know, we did a lot of survey da data. <clears throat> we did a lot of surveying, excuse me. And uh, our data showed us that, you know, a lot of people were saying, that, you know, they'll, they'll go back to the gym, but they like working out, you know, at home. They like working out, you know, in their backyards and doing a lot of the stuff. So there is definitely a need for this. Um, and I think the industry is definitely kind of shifting towards a decentralization of, of gyms and of, of working out just mm -hmm. as, as an activity. I know Adidas, since we came up with this idea, so this, this happened after we came up with our idea, um, Adidas signed a big deal with Peloton. So they're going to be yeah. working with them to create, you know, equipment for people who work out at home. So that's, that's what we're doing. Um, we just finished last term creating our technical pack. So basically creating the product, um, our first sample with all of the, you know, the measurements and components and everything. And then uh, we just sent that to a factory in Indonesia. And um, soon, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be getting back a very, a very rough sample. And uh, next term, we'll be revising it and trying to, you know, basically uh, make any adjustments that we need to do, doing some wear right. testing. And then uh, I believe by the end of next term, so sometime in mid-June, we'll have a literal finished product. Yeah. So, yeah. I love, I, I love the story you, you just told because of, of this one specific reason. You got to do all kinds of research and data analyzation in a time where the market for this stuff was truly setting itself, right? And it's exactly what you've said as far as, okay, people have, have been taken out of gyms. We've been pulled out of gyms. They're either forced to work outside, uh, outside of their, their gym environment, you know, whether it be under a tent or if, if the stuff is, is sitting out in the sun, um, that, cause that, that was real. Like that happened. Um, or, you know, people build work in-home gyms and, and work out like, racks in their garage made of wood or whatever kind of supplies our friend jeremy who wasn't able to join us literally built a gym out of concrete he would have loved to have been here to tell you that danny but he literally built weights from concrete and will lift he got a barbell lifts weights that he weighed out himself using concrete and so 
<laughs> and, and, and then even you think about like you know like you said peloton like how 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 crazy popular did peloton get and like the the different in-home gym apps and the in-home gym workouts and and all these kind of things um the market is truly setting itself and so it's so cool that you got to literally take data from a time that a different market is being developed or just there's a shift and you're going to be able to apply that and take that knowledge not only into just this project you're working on now but into the future as you begin to apply for different roles and grow as a professional in this in this 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 industry. Nick, what do you have for me? What do you have for him, man? Yeah, so I just want to add on to this because I think it's so cool how this could potentially come full circle. So, Danny, you uh you had started out in sales and and you had gone through and worked your tail off and things didn't quite line up. Fast forward to today, as much as as you have in the past been able to take action and move forward in your life up into even before getting in the in the workforce, what's so cool is you're almost beginning from scratch as you enter or exit an MBA program doing something that you really like when the world is completely changed. Like we're not going back. There's no going back to whatever normal life was. That's just my opinion. But truth be told, as you guys had just mentioned the last couple minutes on just specifically in fitness, I can't even imagine where you're going to be in the next 18 to 24 months, which is so exciting. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I think that, um, as far as kind of, you know, our, our product intervention, it was something that was a little bit of a gamble on our part. I mean, we, we as a team, you know, we saw this trend happening. And I think that, you know, we made a gamble as far as, because this is what last September, um, September, October, we made the gamble that this was here to stay from the standpoint of, you know, we talked to, we talked to people and they had told us that, um, you know, that they, they probably would not be going back to gyms um exclusively in the future like they may they may have a gym membership but if they're working from home and they have the opportunity to work from home if they have a new routine and it works why change that and um you know if if they could and i think that people like the idea of not having to drive to a gym i think they like the idea of being able to work out in their garage in their backyard i think people like the idea of going on a run and being able to do you know a workout out in the woods. We talked to someone that, that did that. Um, and <clears throat> I think that it's, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens in the next 18 to 24 months. Hopefully, um, I, cause that is the one, you know, thing that we're, we're hearing from our professors is what about a post COVID world? Is there still going to be a need for something like this? But we believe that consumers aren't going to be changing their behavior anytime soon. So, um, I think that, you know, that remains to be seen, but I think that that's that's what that's what we believe, and we'll see if that ends up being the case. But uh, regardless, that's that's where we are. But it, it's very exciting. So, yeah, and that's that's merely you know a, a project that you're doing in school. But as as real or not real as it is, I mean, these are the real questions you're going to have to participate in when you get in and and get in your role in the in the real world. And not that not that that isn't the real world, but I think you catch my drift where I'm going with that. But before I go down another uh, comment based or my thoughts, Cole, go ahead and and keep us on track. Well, Danny, I have a question for you. So let's just imagine, right in in the future this glove idea that you and, and your your group or your team comes up with hits, right? And you you guys have the opportunity to present in front of 
Adidas and Nike and Under Armour and who knows what other like fitness brands that that'll be up and running, right? Do you think that your experience in sales would help you pitch this product to, you know, a board of of Nike execs or a board of of fitness industry execs or do you think that the two as far as pitching this this idea and this product would would separate themselves? Um I think it I think that in theory you know if if you are a you know someone who is and I talked to my dad about this too cuz we ha- we've had to present a lot the past like this past term in particular yeah. and um presenting in meetings especially with powerpoint and those kind of things is very different than um sales meetings like he was like my I was talking to my dad about it cuz you know I was having trouble with presentations um, just because, you know, finding a rhythm, really mm-hmm. you know, connecting with even just our classmates or whatever. And um, he said, like, because he worked for Apple for 11 years in sales. And um, he told me, like, that when he started at Apple, they had a certain way of presenting. There was a certain way that not only and like he, they didn't tell him this, but there was a certain way, sound. Um, there was a way that presentations should look and sound to um, to superiors and what have you. And he picked up on that pretty quick. So he mm-hmm. went and essentially practiced presenting to people from Apple and he yeah. got good at it. So um, as far as, I mean, I think that sales experience can't hurt you as far right. as anything goes, but um, you know, it, it really depends on your audience because mm-hmm. you know, you may have someone from Adidas who loves it and someone from Nike who hates it because they're not used to that kind of presentation. Right. So, you know, I think that knowing your audience would definitely be a big part of that. but. Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Interesting. Well, so, right? Yeah. I mean, time time will be the ultimate test, I think, and I think I think you'd agree with that. Um speaking of time then, and I I want to ask ask a futuristic or a future oriented question. What I mean, what is the what would be the the dream with this? What would be the the end goal that you would want to put all your effort, all your time, all your hard work into to make it all not necessarily worth it, but to make you be like, holy crap, like this is it. This is what I've worked for. Yeah. I mean, I think from 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 a job standpoint and from a I guess a role standpoint, um the part of you know everything that we've learned everything that that you know i've gone through over since since uh, september the, the the part that really stands out the part that resonates is the storytelling aspect so really telling the story of a product and i think that that lends more to the marketing or branding side of things um you can do that you know in a merchandising role as you know like a line manager or something like that i think that that is probably the direction of the avenue that i see myself going in um but Really, the goal of this program is to to try everything and to right. see what you're good at, see what you're not good at. Um, I almost want to say it's too early to tell, but yeah. I think that that is definitely the thing that resonates, and I think that that's probably where I will end up going. So I think that a success will be building a strong foundation in this program, graduating from this program, starting a career in you know within the industry, within the athletic apparel industry. Um, being able to tell the story of a product to a consumer, I think that's so awesome. Um, I, that would be that would be the dream. And if you can do that, and if you can make good money, and you like what you're doing, um, I think that that is really a benefit of this program. Is it lets you try everything, see what you're good at, see what you're not good at, 
So when you graduate, you know exactly what you want to do. And um, so if I could get a job or if I could be in a role <clears throat> where I can do something like that um, and I can make some money, have a family, have kids, do all that shit, right? Then we'll be good. <laughs> like that, that is, that is the angle. So I love, I love that answer, man. Um, switching gears and, well, and not even really switching gears. La- this will be the, kind of the last little topic before, before I give you my four questions. And obviously I'll, I'll give Nick a chance to, to, to ramble off any, any other thoughts or questions he has for you. But it's clearly something, man, you're passionate about. Like, so clear. It's crystal clear to me. And I would hope by now, I mean, we've been going for almost like 50 minutes. And I would hope that people realize the passion and can hear the passion behind all this, right? Because in the storytelling and in the way you talk about these things and in all the work you've already done, there's passion at the core. Where does that come from? How did you find that? Was that something that you found just in 2020? Is it something that's always been there? And then kind of the last little part of that, and you can break this up however you want. When you were reading through about this master's program that you were going to be applying for and hoping to get into, what stood out that it's like, this is in line with my passion? Um, I'm going to answer your second question first. But I think when just going through that program, um, well, there was a couple things. I mean, honestly, you know, I, it's, I was, uh, I was not in a position where I could, you know, be picky, right. Mm-hmm. I, I needed to find something. And I was, t- I was talking about that earlier, keep moving. And I think that there was a lot that resonated there, but I think that what was very appealing, just reading through the program and everything was that a, it was, you know, it, it's a sports industry. It's the athletic apparel industry. Um, you'd be learning a very hard skill right? Especially if you're doing something like product development. I mean, that's not something you can learn in undergraduate. That's mm-hmm. not something that you really go to college for. So this is definitely, it was definitely a unique program. They were going to teach you a lot in the program. It was a specialized program. It was in the sports industry, um, which I've always, like I said before, I always wanted to, to, to be in and work in and continue to be a part of. Um, and I think that probably what was most appealing was, you know, they really sold the the idea of being able to try everything and being able to build empathy for every one of these different functions, seeing what you like, what you dislike, what you're good at, what you're not good at, and being able to make a decision, you know, either while you're in the program or, you know, upon graduation, as far as where you want to go. Because I think that's so helpful. I never had an experience like that when I was an undergraduate at Oregon. So it was just very appealing for a lot of different reasons. And then also, I mean, let's just be honest. You know, it is a career path that typically typically lends to, you know, making money. So, I mean, that was the other thing. It's like I was laid off. You know, this is sports industry. It, you know, you're, you're going to have time to, to fail and figure out exactly where you want to go with it. I knew I wanted to change within the industry. It just yeah. I feel like it just made so much sense on so many different levels. You know, I, I thought I and I think that the, the limiting beliefs that I had were the I just, I wasn't the right candidate for something like that. Yeah. Um, that. I didn't have a place in there based on my prior experience. But, you know, that's, like I said earlier, I applied and I got in and I'm not asking any questions. So yeah. um, that's to answer your, your second question. Remind me again, your, your first question. <laughs> well, it, it's more so where did this, where did this passion come from? I mean, is it something that like has always been there? Like, have you always just been attracted to 
brands and product development, like, like growing up, for example, and I can use my brother. I love my brother. My brother growing up was like Nike, everything, Jordan, everything. And even to this day, like he's still very, like it's brand specific. Right. And like, I, I envision that as being someone who it's like, when you can engulf yourself in a brand, I mean, you don't even, you don't have to sell it even at that point. Like, it's just like, it is a passion. And I feel like that's what you have. Has that always been there? Or is that something that it's like, maybe you, one thing caught your eye and you're like, holy cow. It was just like your mind and your eyes were open to a whole new world you never saw before. So that's a great question. Um, I loved Apple, <clears throat> Apple products as a kid. Um, and I never had money to buy them. My dad worked for them when I was a kid, but even before that, um, I always thought that, you know, the iPod commercials were like the coolest commercials ever. Um, I remember my sister got an iPod Nano when I was like six. I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. I got an iPod Touch when I was like nine or 10. And it was like, this is amazing. They did such a good job through their advertising, um, through the way that they set up their retail stores, uh, you know, their packaging. Um, basically the entire user experience from the time that you purchase a product to, you know, the time that you, you get the box, you open it, you take it out, you start it up for the first time mm -hmm. to using it. Like it was a very comprehensive experience. And I picked up on that as a kid, maybe subconsciously, like I wasn't thinking about it in those terms, <clears throat> but I always loved the way that Apple did things and the way that they advertised in particular. And I think that that was always something that resonated for me personally. And that was always something that attracted me to the marketing and the branding side of things. <clears throat> and I didn't pursue those things in undergrad because I don't know, I was, I, I just didn't, I, maybe I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, consciously thinking about it as much when I was an undergrad, but um, I always loved the way that they were able to inspire and tell stories to their consumers. Cause they, I mean, they were, they were, you know, the king for for so long. I mean, when I was a kid, like there was nothing like Apple. Um like their commercials, like their products, like it was just, you know, they they set the standard in so many different ways. And I think that that is so cool because when you look at their products themselves, um in comparison to, you know, a lot of their their competitors on the market, it it wasn't the product itself that made the difference. It was everything else. It was yeah. the way that they it was a story that they ultimately told to the consumer about that product. Um, and that was always something that was cool to me. I always loved that. And I think that now looking back, that was a major source of inspiration. And I think that that's what I want to be a part of in my career. Like I, I yeah. want to be able to, you know, tell stories that, you know, nine-year-old me would be like, this is sick. Like, this is awesome. Like, I love this. I think that's so cool. So Yeah, man. I to to bring us full circle and then I'm going to let Nick ask any kind of last second questions or or give any last second thoughts. To bring this full circle, I got one one other question for you, Danny. So, you mentioned right in there that you weren't consciously maybe thinking about this when you were doing your undergrad or or even early on, right? So, did the fact that 2020 forced you because of of circumstances you couldn't control like it forced you to lose a job and go back to the drawing board where maybe you had to consciously really think 
Is this what I want to do? If not, okay, fine. What do I want to do? Was it 2020 that forced you to do that? Um, or was there something else inside of you that was like, it's time to change course? I think that, um, I think that 2020 didn't cause it. Cause I think that, and this is true. I, I always, um, even when I was with Rivercats, like I wanted to start in sales and eventually move into more of a marketing role. I, I think I realized this about myself that I wanted to maybe do something in marketing during like shortly after graduation. So during my first sales position, um, I, I realized that, you know, if I wanted to make a switch that was, you know, adjacent, like marketing would definitely be one that I was interested in. Um, I think that 2020 maybe didn't, um, didn't cause it, but it definitely accelerated it. Yeah. And it was a catalyst for basically creating an, an environment or a scenario in which I could pursue that if I wanted to. Now, it was very chance that I found that program that I got in and that this is a big part of that program because, um, you know, that wasn't why I went to this program. It was more that this was, you know, within the sports industry and it would give you an opportunity to sample all these different functions and figure out what you want to do. But um, it is a big part of it. That's going to be our big class for, for next term is going to be sports marketing. Um, so in a weird way, 2020 ended up essentially accelerating my, my path to, that is, know, to, to, to where I want it to be. So, yeah. Dude, that is, that's awesome. That's so great. Nick, um, obviously, as always, man, I got my four questions prepared. I told Danny beforehand I would take it a little easy on him. You know how crazy I can get with those questions. I did take it a little easy. Um, but hey man, any, any, any parting thoughts, any parting questions that you had for, for my man, Danny here. What's the timer that we're at right now? Cause I feel like we have a, I know where I'm at. I just want to double check. We're at like 5830. Okay. Wow. So we're that's right amazing. on track. It's amazing how accurate this, this follow is anyway. Yeah. Um, so one, two, three. So I do have to just share this comment with you, Danny, and it has to do with Apple. And then I'll ask my other question. Um, Steve Jobs once was quoted saying this, and it is one of my favorite quotes as, as well, that he said when he was coming up with a lot of the Apple products, he said, give the people a product that they cannot live without. And I'm pretty sure he has achieved that goal um, before he had passed away because Apple is a product that a lot of people cannot live without. But my uh, my question stems from a very different place than what we've been in the whole conversation. Um, so if you had to describe maybe one to two things that the common person, you know, wouldn't know about you. And, th and this could be, you know, you did mention the, the obesity thing earlier. That's a little bit more on a serious note. So maybe we can stay on the lighter side leading into Cole's questions. You know, is there something unique about you? You know, maybe you eat uh, cold ravioli or, or what's a couple things that you could share um, with the listeners here that are fun things about, about Danny. <clears throat> I don't know if they're fun. Um, let's see. Uh, two interesting things. Um, I don't know. Let's see. Yeah. We talked about lifting and all that kind of stuff already. Yeah. Um, I'm an extremely picky eater and I eat pretty much the same stuff every single day. <clears throat> and I think that I use lifting in a diet to justify the fact that I'm a picky eater. Cause like if people ask, I can say, Oh no, I can't eat that. Like, you know, I have to eat my meal plan. And that's just a way of getting out of having to eat stuff I don't like. But very picky eater. That's also why I was a you know fat kid. And then um, 
let's see something else um i don't know which uh while you're thinking about this i'll buy you a little bit of time what a actually kind of a smart thing to do if you're someone that's having to stick to a meal plan is just using that as an excuse to have to eat what you have to eat that's that's a fair i never even thought about that i guess i'm okay there's another one i'm I'm great at excuses i i can i can come up with an excuse for anything yeah, exactly. Well, I think uh, I think a lot of very successful entrepreneurs or business owners, they all started out in sales. You got to be able to talk to people. Otherwise, you're not going to get anywhere in life. Um, but Cole, that's all I had for Danny. Why don't you go ahead and, and end us on a very high note? Well, that that just kind of actually prompted a question that, that wasn't even included in, in, in my four. So before I get to that, I got a question for you, Danny. What's like the most memorable excuse you've given rather than just like the dog ate my homework? Or I left, you know, I, oh, sorry, mom. Like I left the the lights on. I'll do it next time. Or, oh yeah, I just didn't hear you. Like what, like memorable excuse. What's a great one from your vault? Let me think. Um, I want to say in college, this is in college. I was like an adult. Um, I want to say, so I had, I had this, very bad experience. I, I, I found out that I had like an anaphylactic allergy to cashews and peanuts, or not peanuts, excuse me, cashews and pistachios. Um, due to, so I had like a protein bar and I had like this bad reaction and like I had to like go to go the, the uh, what do you call it? The health center and like yeah. get all this Benadryl. And so I had to go to an allergist after and they told me, oh, like you have an anaphylactic allergy to this, like you need to get an EpiPen. And um, that later that term, I, I don't remember if I didn't want to go to class or if I had to miss class. I think that I was going to the, the, I think it was, yeah, I was going to the Nike hoop summit with my buddy in Portland and I didn't want to go to class. And I, I remember like, for whatever reason, I had to come up with an excuse for class. So like, I basically just used that excuse where I said, oh, like I had an anaphylactic <laughs> you know, allergy attack and I was at the health center, so I couldn't come to class <laughs> and wow. I got out of the class. I think, I think that that was, that was probably the, the most crazy one, but yeah, faking an allergy attack. Um, That's- that's pretty brilliant. I, I probably have better ones from when I was a kid because I sure. was always making shit up, like, like literally all, like all the time. Like, yeah. oh, my stomach hurts. I have to go home. Like, oh, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, State Street Gang, we're going to steal you away real quick. Uh, Cole, I actually have a couple of promos to run by you. What do you got, Nick? I'm excited to hear. So the first one is our partners over at Driftless Quality Wear actually have a new website coming out, and you can find them at driftlessqualitywear.com. No way. Dude, that's awesome. So how does State Street factor into that? Yeah, great question. So for all the folks that haven't purchased anything on their website, go ahead and prior to checking out, if you enter State Street, uh, you'll actually get a 10% discount off the entire cart. Okay. What kind of things do they have? Do they have like outdoor wear since it's getting cold here? Yeah, great question. And it really is getting cold. So they have crewnecks, long sleeves. I actually got a long sleeve myself, beanies. Uh, They even go as far as camping mugs, which I think that's awesome. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So tell me again how I get this and where I need to go. Yeah, so go ahead and type in State Street at checkout and receive 10% off your entire cart purchase. Cool, man. I can't wait. Let's get back to the show. Thanks, guys. So... In, uh, in closing, Danny, we do this with every guest. I've told you about it before. Nick obviously knows how crazy we get on this show with this. 
four questions. I come up with four. They come from anywhere. They come from my brain. They come from the internet. They come from conversations that I overhear, conversations I'm having. Maybe maybe it came from the cubicle sitting next to me. Who knows? Like the questions, they come from anywhere, man. Uh, so if you're ready, I have my four. We'll be off and running and get you out of here. Let's do it. Okay. So kind of hearing about 2020 for you. Um, obviously some good, some bad, uh, everything's all over the place. I want you to design or maybe develop a shirt that represents 2020. Um, <clears throat> a shirt yep. that, Ooh. so like you, you're talking about like, like a design on a shirt. I want you to design a shirt. So I want to know like fabric. I want to know what's going to be on it as far as the actual design. And it doesn't have to be anything elaborate. It doesn't have to be anything like extravagant or whatever. But just when you think of 2020 and you think, all right, this shirt, this sort of fabric, maybe this sort of cut, maybe it's like a V-neck or something like that, whatever, tight arm sleeves, tight, tight chest, tight uh, torso, whatever, like whatever it would be, what would that 2020 shirt look like and feel like? Um, let's see. It'll be a cotton poly blend. Um, it'll be... Let's see, it'll be, also, let's say it'll be a crew neck sweatshirt. It'll be mm -hmm. baggy. Um, and it will be extremely comfortable because I know athleisure is the new, the new it thing, right? So it'll be something that you can wear to the gym. It can be something that you can wear to the grocery store. Um, as far as the appearance, um, shit, I don't know. Like, it'll is it going to be dull colored? Is it going to be like highlighter color? What do you think? It'll be a white base layer, and mm. then we'll have, let's see, we'll have a screen printed image on it. I just don't know what the image is going to be. It's got to sure. be something to encapsulate 2020, and I don't know <laughs> what that is. Um, I have no idea. Just like something, hey, that's, something that's chaotic, a great start. explosion. I don't know. Okay. All right. Yeah. An explosion, a cotton poly crew neck sweatshirt. I love it, man. That's awesome. Athleisure wear. That's perfect. I think we roll that out. Uh, you haven't mentioned yet. One thing that is unique about yourself, Danny, that I know, none of the residents know this unless they know you. Nick doesn't know this. You've got an awesome dog named Angus, which I actually am still super excited to meet one day. Um, what's the best quality of a dog, man? Um, best quality of a dog? Um, how much do they love you? I think, honestly, like how much do they just get psyched to see you? Um, there's really nothing like it. You know, I, I so I was in Portland for the term and I, obviously I'm back for spring break. And that was the first, you know, extended period of time where I was away from from Angus and seeing his reaction when I came home was like nothing I've ever seen before. Like you see like those those videos of, you know, military personnel who come home and their dogs like freak out. There's nothing yeah. like that. Like it's just it is a level of adoration that I almost think that like only dogs can give you. So um yeah. Yeah. Number three, if you had to pick a color highlighter to be, so it, you're a highlighter. That's the that's the actual utensil you are, or the drawing instrument you are. You are a highlighter. What color though would you associate yourself with? Um, I'll be a green highlighter. Okay. Why? Uh, under well, it's it's like it's like Oregon, right? It's green like Oregon. Go mm. Dutch. And uh, it's underrated. 
Now, are we talking green like the like a forest green? I just want to clear this up. Or are we talking like the yeah, like the like a like a highlighter, like maybe like lime bright green? We're going highlighter green. We're flashing okay. 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 Right on. Um, last one I got for you. You are given the credit card with an unlimited balance and told from four to five this coming Friday, Danny, you get to decide what we do for fun Friday from four to five. So you have an hour. That's all you get four to five, but you have a credit card. That's no limit. You can do whatever you want. What is the activity or what thing are you getting for everybody in your workplace for that happy hour or that fun Friday? That is a great question because you can't really go to too many places because they're closed. You have to bring it to you. Um, Ooh, I don't know. I I will just say, I will just say, just to give you a little time to think on that. This is the hardest question I've come up with. I think yet. I would think, I mean, I think that you'd want to, you'd want to, so like, <clears throat> let's just say like the Rivercast, for example, let's, let's use that as, as the workplace. Cause I'm not technically, I don't have a workplace right now. Right. So let's say the parking lot is our venue. So we're yeah. going to bring, um, I don't know, for fun Friday, let's bring like, I don't know if we can like bring a carnival or something, like literally okay. like call them up. Right. And just have, and rent out that space for the day. That's fun yeah. Friday. We have, we got a roller coaster. It's like, a, it's not a great roller coaster, but it's pretty good, right? Okay. Uh, we got a carousel. We got, you know, games and stuff. We can have drinks too. So you can also like pretend a bar. You can, you can call it one of, like one of the local bars to have them like set up kind of like a, you know, like a mini thing there. Okay. Yeah. So booze okay. and carnival rides. That's fun. Carnival ride. rides, carnival games, and, and like an open bar, it sounds like. Yeah. So would this be something, and I'm just, we're getting in the weeds with this. So I'm sorry to the listeners, but I'm interested. Is this something that like, all right, and think you can, Danny. You can even think about the the place we worked, right? We can just use it for reference. Like you're sitting at your cubicle, everybody's sitting at their cubicle. You look out the window, and like you see, like you see that like everybody's setting up for the carnival type of thing. Or is it just like, is it something that it's like as everybody's walking up, like like they're like you're walking to a carnival? Like what is what is that? So I think that you'd want to do a little bit of showmanship. So you wouldn't let your employees see it being constructed so you'd, you'd have it constructed in the parking lot maybe you know a few hours prior or whatever right. i mean you wouldn't tell them you would come up with some horrible idea for fun friday right just say like oh we're gonna you know we're gonna have uh cole right do trivia that's gonna be fun friday <laughs> right yeah and so like just set expectations super low and then be like Boom. that would be low expectations if i'm that's doing trivia. i will just say <laughs> and then you know yeah right right at four o'clock just say boom actually you know, look outside and then you just have a full carnival, full bar, all that stuff. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. That's an awesome idea. Um, dude, that's all we have for you. As far as questions, okay. as far as talking points, you were awesome. You dominated this. I'm so happy to hear that you're, you're chasing your passion. Uh, you and I talk a lot, man. So there's not really a whole lot left to say. Uh, I'm going to see you at the gym at some point. I know you're going to be up in Portland. I'll have to come visit at some point or another. Uh, I'm I'm just so thankful, man, that that you took the time on your spring break, nonetheless, to come to come be on our podcast, and uh, I I can't thank you enough. It you're a busy guy, and and the fact that you took almost an hour, a little over an hour of your time, uh, it means a lot to me, man. Thank you. Well, well thank you so much for having me. Um, honestly, I didn't think that anyone would want to hear me talk for an hour. So, um, thanks for putting up with me for an hour. Uh, I yeah. Appreciate 
And yeah, it's been a pleasure. This has been awesome. Nick, uh, go ahead and plug social media, man. Say your, your, your thank yous and your goodbyes uh, and get us out of here for the evening. Yeah, so um, I normally, for the loyal listeners, do not bear any type of fruit when it comes to plugging social media, so I'm going to do my best. Um, I know we're on Facebook, uh, State Street Podcast. We're on Twitter, at State Street Podcast, and Instagram, I believe, is at State Street Podcast. Cool, is that correct? Close, and and if Jeremy listens to this, he's going to have a heart attack. So Instagram is State Street Pod. Twitter is State Street Pod and Facebook is State Street Podcast. Danny, I will let you plug social media too, really quick. If there's anything you want to plug, uh, not really. I, I hate social media. I mean, you can add me on Facebook or whatever. Sure. Um, my name, Danny Alonzo. LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn is uh, it's what it's uh, it's D Alonzo sixteen is cool. is my D A L O N S O one six. Awesome. Gotcha. Yes, I can. Uh, I take over from now. Thank you so much, Colt, for taking care of that. And yes, Jeremy would have had a heart attack um, if he would have heard me try to do that. But anyway, Danny, it was such a pleasure, man. Thank you for entertaining the residents on State Street this evening. For you guys, though, we will be getting into probably the most diverse kind of crazy themed book that we have had up into this point. We're so stoked to break it down and get after it along with even more just fun people that we get to meet on the show. But hopefully you guys enjoyed this. And until next time, guys.